Hi, Chris Fallotton here. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so excited about my new show, Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. You can watch it weekly on my YouTube channel or listen to it here. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, I'm Chris Fallotton. Welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we teach you how to be fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. And I'm here with Aaron Zitt. Did I say that right? Yep. There it is. And Aaron Zitt is the head of the Whole Man Project. I want to make sure I got that right. Yes, the Whole Man it. Project at right. Bethel Church. And you ha- you are married yes, to, to one, one woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> we had to do this a couple times because I said he was married to three. Yeah. And he has three children. There we, we go. got that yeah, right. It. There yeah, it is it. right there. <laughs> Well, let me, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I moved up to Reading um, 16 years ago wow. before I could grow facial hair. Yeah. Um, did the school of ministry Come on. and there got it is. married, met my wife. And she actually told me that at one point in her school ministry time, you had prayed over her like, oh, I don't see a ring on that finger. Let me take care of that. Yeah. Six months later, enter me. So it works. I see totally no works. tithing towards me. <laughs> let's let's get that yeah, we fixed got right that going now. To the let's church. get I'll that fixed that in the right line. now. Yeah, this is for Chris. Specifically. So you would you would attribute your marriage to the yeah, spiritual pretty, environment that I created? Yes, a hundred. Uh, maybe 99%. 99%. Yeah, that's, it. that's good. Yeah, so I moved up here, did the school ministry, and then uh, I eventually, the school ministry changed my life in a number of ways. Um, and then I joined a men's group that is now called the Whole Man Project um, as a participant. And again, a massive life change for me. It's beautiful. Um, and after a while, I took over that group and have been doing that ever since. And that's really like my passion, the reason I get up in the morning, the reason I get up early in the morning, usually to work on that and then go to work. And what, you know. is, how old are your children? Uh, nine, six, and three. Nine, Two girls six, and a boy. three. And yeah. you've been married how long? Uh, it'll be 13 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So what is the whole man project? Yeah. The whole man project is uh, one of Bethel's men's groups that is specific to men wanting to grow in some area of their life that feels unmanageable. Or basically we tell them, hey, if you want to join, you have to have something you want to work on. Something that is... Got to have a problem. You got to have a problem, essentially. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that in so many words. And so uh, we have guys there and we, we kind of run it. I say like a church service, more like a youth group. Uh, we have some worship. We play a game. We have a lot of fun. We have a speaker. But then we break up into small groups. It's just really the crux of it. Um, get guys connected. Start talking about their um, what's going on in their heart, um, kind of diving into past pain, things like that that might be contributing to whatever kind of problem they have in their life. Uh, most of the guys, we say, don't come in really with a problem. They come in with a solution. Uh, and the solution just a lot of times is very unhelpful and or damaging. So yeah. um, what our job they is... They come in with the wrong solution. Yeah, they come in with the wrong solution. A solution. A solution, um, not and the solution. Not the solution. And so what we want to do is uncover like, hey, what is the problem behind this that we you're using this as a solution for? So good. So those are the things that we uh, focus on. Uh, pursue, and it's not necessarily like a program where you would come in for six months and then leave. Um, it feels more like guys are learning to not just like change the oil in their car or change the engine out. They're le- relearning how to drive. Um, they just a lot of guys don't know how to do life vulnerably connected, um, kind of running at the things that scare them, and so that's where we're continually going after. And that's stuff that you don't graduate from, you know. So you mean they can check out, but they can never leave. 
They can check in, but they can never check. Well, no, we have guys, we have guys leave all the time. They got stuff going on. You know, it's every Monday night. But um, what we love is just guys that find community and then want to keep pouring into that and keep growing. And how did you get started in men's I mean, were you one of those guys that were, you know, broken or had the wrong solution? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I joined because of a porn problem okay. or what I thought was a porn problem. Yeah. It was really a porn solution. It you was know, a porn an, solution. An, uh, an unhelpful you damaging. You solved it by porn. I figured it out, man. And <laughs> I, at one point I realized in my marriage, I mean, this was a, it had been for me since I was seven years old. Oh, my gosh. I saw porn. Um, and so... I had a, when I met the Lord, like I grew up in the church, but when I met the Lord and had my encounter with God, that kind of changed everything for me. I experienced sobriety from um, unwanted sexual behavior for a period of time. Uh, And then after a while, like, and there was a lot of reasons, good reasons that I could attribute to that. But after a while, the things that went unaddressed began to surface again. And so I was three years into marriage. Um, I was pretty disconnected from myself, disconnected from my wife. Everything looked good on the outside. Like, I'm, I'm really good at my dysfunctions, like <laughs> presenting them well to the world, you know. I, uh, a good actor. Yeah, I'm a good actor, yeah. yeah. And so, um, but I, this area, I just, I was like, I can't seem to get a hold of this. I don't know what it is. And so I joined this group, and that's where um, it began. I began to realize, oh, I didn't realize I was lonely. I didn't realize I was isolated. I didn't know I was passive, and I didn't know I was in pain. And those three things, um, as I began to address them over the, I think I've been there 12-ish years, no, uh, 9-ish years, something like that. Over those years, as I began to address that within relationship with these guys, um, deepening with my wife, some counseling, uh, I just began to find freedom, as in porn could always be a solution. Like, I have a phone in my pocket. I could access it at any point. It's just one of the least desirable solutions out of all the solutions that I have now um, because of the work that I've done. So that's the reason I joined and part of the reason why I stay. I just like giving it away. I don't know if you were like this, but I I think a lot of, especially men, think, well, I'm going to get married and and that's going to solve my my porn problem, right? Because I often don't even tell my would-be spouse mm-hmm. that I have a problem because yeah. I'm thinking we get married we're gonna have sex three times a day and I'm gonna be good totally because an orgasm is really what I need that's what to I need solve all these issues that'll yeah. solve the problem a, a sin-free orgasm that's the one <laughs> exactly yeah. and how's that work out for most men <laughs> <laughs> well I think pretty quickly they find out it doesn't especially after you know there might be a period of time where they feel a, sp- I, a lot yeah. of guys will start dating a, a woman and then be like, wow, my porn problem is solved. Yeah. Like I haven't, I haven't looked at porn in three months. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been dating? Three months. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Taylor's oldest time. Uh, and then in marriage, they because they have this thing. If you ask them, they would say, no, I know that's not true. Yeah. Marriage won't fix that. But in the back of our minds, we go, yeah, as long as I can have sex and have it sin free, then I will be okay. Um, and it's when we start to realize, oh, I'm still lonely. Because I, I don't know how to, if I didn't know how to connect before, I don't mm-hmm. know how to connect after. Yeah. It's just actually, marriage just kind of magnifies all the stuff yeah. rather than. I get to bring up. another person into the problem with me. Yeah. And now I'm not just bleeding on myself. I'm yeah. kind of bleeding on them in the process. Yeah. And that, that makes for a really great start to your marriage, right? Yeah. Rocky and lonely and sad and a lot of it. So you're saying that um, men are choosing porn typically as a symptom mm-hmm. 
but not the problem, not the key root problem. Correct, yeah. What are some key root issues with with men who are stuck in porn or some other addiction? Sure, yeah. Honestly, it's true. Like any kind of unwanted behavior is really a symptom um, and – Typically, the, solu- the solution we're going for, for the problems, and this there could be myriad of solutions or problems out there, but the ones that I found in my life that I every time I see guys address these three, they start to gain traction. Okay. Um, what are those? Isolation. Okay. Uh, passivity and pain. And what I mean by pain is um, being aware that the past has affected me um, and actually the way that I grew up... Uh, formed a lens through which I see the world. Okay. So a lot of times guys aren't fighting with their wife, they're fighting with their mom and they have no idea. That you mean like invisible, like yes, my mom's invisibly. speaking in my ear. She's, when we say that, we're not talking about like mom's in front of me or, Correct, or I'm yeah. having a, I'm having a relational issue with mom, mm-hmm. but I am in my mind. Yes. So and it's we, like we an don't invisible, it. invisible. Yeah. It's man. unconscious because my, my wife would tell me something like, um, hey, I, can you help me with the dishes? And I, I kind of revert back to this seven-year-old boy who doesn't want to do his chores, yeah. but feels like mom is making Just, him. Yeah. And that, that I married my mother. Yeah, that <laughs> intensity rises up, and I don't realize totally. that I'm feeling, I'm reacting to my mom, who I am superimposing over my wife. So an example of past pain showing up, you know, but past pain showing up shows up in pretty dramatic ways too, yeah. especially if you have what we call capital T trauma, like abu- sexual abuse, um, some sort of violence, uh, you have a death in the family, things like that. It really stick with you until you're able to actually process that pain with people. Aaron, when I think of sexual abuse, I don't think of men being sexually abused. Mm. That's not true, is it? No, I'm, I'm, I was a victim of sexual abuse mm-hmm. myself. Um, I actually, there's quite a few, I think there was a study that uh, one of our transformation center um, women who runs a sexual addiction recovery group, she said 80% of uh, people who struggle with addiction have some form of trauma in their past. And when it comes to sexual abuse, uh, there's a large percentage who, of people who have been sexually abused. And so while females would be the higher statistic yeah. of those who that's, have that's been, think. it still happens quite a bit. Um, and so... There's a, a lot of guys in, in my group who wouldn't even say they've been sexually abused because of the way that we like to reframe our past mm-hmm. or or the complicity with which they experience that abuse. Like, yeah, but I didn't say no to it or I didn't fight them yeah. off or whatever. So there's a lot of yeah. a lot of pain around that. Yeah, and, and then there's a stigma too that if you are sexually abused as a child, I mean sexually abused as yeah. a man, mm-hmm. if you're raped, if you're molested, mm-hmm. it's kind of like... It's kind of like I, I think I, I think there's probably like this with women too, but more unlikely to say something about it, right? Yeah, I mean, there's so much shame attached yeah. to it, um, and partly around the complicity. But even in my case, there I didn't have any tension with the complicity. It definitely was something imposed on me by an adult when I was I think nine ish. Um, and so, but there was I had a hard time telling anyone because I felt. I felt ashamed of what happened to me, yeah. which was kind of, you know, there's no rational way to explain that, except that as a kid, you see adults as, um, they're really your example for God, yeah. who's perfect, yeah. and when they fail you, you interpret that as, 
there is something wrong with me. That is why I experienced this because we don't want to uh, take an imperfect view of the people who should be taking care of us. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like um, I blame myself. Exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, it happens in divorces too, right? Oh, I, yeah. I grew up obviously in a divorced home and mm. I, I felt like, well, there was some, like my, my stepfather left because my father drowned. Mm. But my first stepfather left because I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm. So a passivity... You explain. Yeah. The next one is. Oh, so that would that'd be the pain side oh, of pain. it. Oh, pain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also current day pain. Like I experience uh, tension with my wife. There's some hurtful comment with somebody, and I don't bring it up, or uh, I just kind of shove it down because that's what men do. Like we don't be too sensitive. Just like ignore it, and then yeah. it'll go away. Except that it doesn't. It just kind of builds up pressure over time. So, uh, but then passivity. Um, for me, I would define that as an avoidance because of fear. Um, generally, just I'm avoiding something. And so I went around my entire life with this thought, man, everybody I know likes me. This is, I'm, I am such a likable guy. True. I think I'm a likable guy. However, I also wasn't showing up as my real self to anyone because I was terrified of their, of disappointing somebody, of creating conflict. And so I would just placate whatever anybody else wanted. I wouldn't have an opinion. I'd have their opinion yeah, because that worked really well. So um, my passivity showed up in uh, I would avoid conflict like the plague. Um, and therefore, um, I had no real intimacy, you know, yeah. because um, Dan Fairley likes to say that uh, conflict is an invitation to intimacy. And so if we allow ourselves to have these difficult conversations, we actually open ourselves up to more intimacy with the other person rather than if you have no conflict, like there, I, I don't know, you could be lacking a lot of intimacy there, especially wow. if it's avoidance. So that's where I'd say passivity shows up in avoidance. It shows up in your personality type as well. Like um, I avoid conflict. I got a buddy who loves conflict. Like the guy would just want to debate with people for fun. So his, but his passivity tends to show up in um, he's afraid to look weak. And so yeah. that, that I saw that dynamic a lot with his wife when he had a hard time admitting any fault when they had an argument or he had a lot of great explanations about why she was always wrong. And so uh, that his passivity was But what show if your there. wife is always wrong like my wife? Well, then you, you're probably good to I'm go. I'm probably for a while. okay, right? Yeah, you're okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to just straighten that out. Yeah, right yeah, now. that's good. Um, and she'd have nothing to say about that no, probably. No, so. she wouldn't. She, I think she understands it. Yeah. So, yeah, passivity shows up in avoidance, um, but it also shows up in just I don't want to do uncomfortable, hard things. Um, and you can't grow unless you get uncomfortable in some way, shape, or form. I don't know how you'd escape life. I, like, like Jesus said it this way, in the world you'll have tribulation. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I think life is full of challenges. Oh, yeah. But if you don't, uh, if you don't rise up to them or you mm -hmm. don't confront them, like we would, that's what we'd use a lot of our solutions for. Man, there's so many challenges in life. Just binge on Netflix for the next 10 hours. <laughs> exactly. Just use porn, just use drugs, just use alcohol, just use video games. Um, and that we find a lot of guys in the group who are dealing with passivity, it shows up in a lot of those coping mechanisms. And it shows up at like my work. I had, I was in HR for a while, which means I had to tell people things they didn't want to hear. Terrifying for me. I couldn't breathe in a lot of these conversations. Um, but, and I would actually, I would try to write somebody up 
and I tell them what they did wrong. However, I try to dance around it. Like, I'm sure you didn't mean this. And I, it's not that big of a deal, but if you could, you know, you're kind of in trouble. Can you sign this? Yeah. And like, just try to avoid it as much as possible. Cause I, I couldn't stand the idea of this person not being okay with yeah, me. Exactly. Uh, and so my counselor had given me uh, homework. He said, I want you to go to your HR manager and tell her, I want to be a part of every difficult conversation you have. Cause he said, I think you're more addicted to passivity than you are porn. And wow. I was like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. And so I sat in on like probably a hundred written warnings, terminations, things that I was deathly afraid of. Uh, but over time I found that as I sat through these one, you get a little like used to it, but then two, you also realize at the end, I'm still okay. So you're like introducing kind of disconfirming evidence that my world will end if this person sees me in yeah, a negative light. So good. And so I, I did it enough to one day I had to fire somebody all by myself and I was, I couldn't breathe in it. But however, when I was done, I was like, I'm okay. Like, Oh, I actually, I actually am powerful. I do have a ton of purpose and I couldn't figure those things out by avoiding, avoiding things. So passivity kind of robs you of power, feeling powerful, robs you of feeling purposeful. Um, so pain, passivity, uh, and then isolation. I was going to say, you can't really conquer what you don't confront, right? Yeah. You had said uh, in the school ministry a long time ago, uh, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it was about like, if you have a fear of flying, but you never get on a plane yeah, like that, you're, you can say, no, I have no fear of flying. I just really love driving long distances. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, I love taking boats across the Atlantic. Yeah. To, yeah. So uh, it's that, the same thing. Oh, totally. I'm like, I'm not afraid. You're not afraid because you actually don't get on the plane. Yeah. And you're saying that uh, in intimacy, I, I'm not afraid of intimacy. Yeah, because you actually don't never get intimate. Yeah. And yeah. you never get intimate because you actually aren't authentic. Mm-hmm. You actually don't show up. You yes. actually are afraid that you're going to see in me what I think I see in me, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's and the final part. one was what? Isolation. Um, and this is probably, if I sometimes when I get a chance to talk to people and talk about these subjects, if I have a limited amount of time, I, I start with isolation and I stay there. And really the, the antidote connection. Um, and so because dealing with passivity, dealing with pain, you don't want to do that stuff alone. And like, just especially with the guys in our group who are working through unmanageable behavior for most of their life, they tried to do it alone. And even with like, well, me and God are working on this. Um, but like even in the garden after Adam named all the animals and he's like super close to God, God goes, I still call this alone. Like we're really tight, but this is alone. So he actually made us to need other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and something that he wants to give us only through other people, I believe. And so, um, really being able to connect. And it's, you know, there's some people who are very isolated who have tons of friends. They're around a whole bunch of people. They're like, no, I see people every single day. But the difference for me um, was realizing that in all the groups I was in and all the relationships I had, I wasn't really known by them. Yeah. So I, because I kept every, all the vulnerable parts of me, um, like I was honest, but the vulnerability aspect is I'm going to hand you something that you could hurt me with. Yeah. Um, and there's a ton of risk there because we have been hurt. And so we, on an unconscious level, go, oh, don't do that again because that hurts real bad. 
Like if I share my emotions with somebody on the playground, if I start to cry, they laugh. So, okay, tears result in rejection. Don't do that. Um, if I share my feelings with my parents and your parents happen to be insecure about the very thing you're talking about, I get shut down. Like, hey, there's nothing to cry about or I'll give you something yeah, to cry I'll about. I'll give you yeah. something to cry about. <laughs> the classic line. You're yeah. like, oh, okay, so it's That's not. That's really painful, though, I have to tell you, because I use that line a lot. <laughs> Especially yeah. with Jay. You can tell he's yeah. still a little bit. <laughs> Tweak from it, you know. Yeah, so you like you want to cry? That. Yeah. I'll give you something to cry about. So you go, okay. What I have to cry about is yeah. invalid. Yeah, and so you got, and then you grow up in life going like, oh, the things that I feel aren't really, especially compared to. There's so many people worse off than me. Like I had that so much. Like I have no no reason to be quote unquote in pain because I had a Christian parents. They didn't abuse me. Um, I grew up in a church. Um, Man, I, you know, I, we were middle class. Like, what else could you ask for? I'm good, broken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no reason to be broken. I'm just broken. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. And so it feels very invalidating. Like, uh, why don't you, because you have no good reason to feel this, yeah. you just shove it all down. And then no vulnerability shows up and then no connection. Um, Ken Williams, uh, in the journey out, he says, uh, you can't know unconditional love until somebody knows the condition you're in. Um, and it requires wow. in order to actually fully receive um, love and acceptance from somebody, you have to actually open up the stuff that you are totally. hiding from, uh, from sight. That's so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather be hated for who I am than love for who I'm not. Right. And I felt the opposite way for a long, long time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we talked about the problem. Mm hmm. And you wrote a book yeah. about this whole journey, right? This whole thing, yeah. It took you three years. You just told me before we yeah. started the interview. Yeah. And uh, that, what's the name of that book? Numb to Known. Numb to Known. Yeah. And what are some solutions that you talk about in that book? Yeah. Because I, I suppose the book's not just about, here's the problem. Yeah, yeah you have to buy the second book for this. You got <laughs> <you gotta laughs> a part two. Is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Excuse how screwed up you are. Yeah. The end. <laughs> <laughs> hope you walk away encouraged. Yeah. 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 Hope you're encouraged. Yeah. No, so that I do spell that out. So like the, uh, I have uh, sections in the book and the first section, part one is called porn is not the problem. So I want to b- create that understanding. Uh, and then uh, the next sections are, I didn't know I was lonely. I didn't know I was passive and I didn't know I was in pain. Uh, and recognizing the problem, but then also going, okay, so what do we do about isolation? Yeah. So first, you ha- I would, especially around unmanageable behavior, get in a group. doesn't matter. Like, you don't have to join our group. You don't have to – any group of people where you can actually begin to share the things that okay. you swore you would never tell anybody. So transparency. Transparency. Some, get into some kind of dynamic mm-hmm. where you have to practice transparency. Yes. It's, pra- it's a ton of practice. Yeah. And you have to share things. Um, the vulnerability aspect of this all is you have to share things that you're pretty sure people are going to go, wow, really? That? Yeah. You did that? I've never heard of anyone doing that. Yeah, that's yeah. what you're afraid is going to no, happen, That's right? exactly oh the scenario gosh, that runs you in your head. Oh, my have that problem? Yeah. Johnny, have you ever had that problem? We've never had that he problem. Got, come check this out. Yeah. What this guy's dealing yeah, with. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, write this down. Yeah. Let's video this. Yeah, yeah. I had, well, I had this experience at 16 years old. There was a, an adult in my life who I really looked up to. I was feeling a lot of shame. There's a few of us guys around. Um, and he goes, okay, we, if you're dealing with shame, you just got to share something like, what's your, what's the worst thing you've ever done? So he, oh. he tells me that. And instantly I like, I have a Rolodex of, of despicable things back here, yeah. especially when you're dealing with like sexual behavior for a long oh, time. Yeah. Um, but I, I obviously have those ones way, way back there. So they're not really accessible. <laughs> so I go, well, I'll pick a few of these things. And he, he says something to the effect of, well, it's not like you thought about your mom sexually or anything like that. And all the guys laughed. And I was like, yep, yep, definitely not that. Yeah. And decided, oh, that's one of those things way back there that now I need to bury in the ground uh, so that no one can ever, ever find. Yeah. And so actually that was on the Rolodex. <laughs> yeah. right? so, so then I learned that, yeah, okay, you can't actually share this stuff because that's what results. So Eventually, when I did, I shared in front of my small group one time, like, our goal was um, nothing good grows in the dark, so let's find all the things in the dark uh, and put it into the light so it can't grow anymore, and so that we take away the power from shame. Uh, and so I shared uh, my experience around sexualizing my mom, and, you know, some of the guys, they were like, some of the guys, they gave me a really good, I'm here, I'm with you, and I, that doesn't freak me out, and some of the guys didn't quite have that face. However, what I realized later was, I had I had a buddy run into my uh, run into my office. He's a good friend of mine I work with, and he goes. He was joking. You know when you ask somebody a question yeah. that you want, you don't really care about the answer, but yeah. you want them to ask you back. Yeah. So he runs in my office. He goes, "Quick, tell me the worst thing you've ever done." And I was like, "Ah, oh, sexualized my mom." And he goes, "Oh wow, yours was way worse than mine." <laughs> <laughs> but I realized in that moment I had zero shame, and that was the first thing that came out. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that." I mean, there I've I've since thought of things that I thought were worse, and then I had to share them with people. Because the shame that I felt, the massive amount of shame that I felt there was keeping me so isolated. Um, so I've, we, you start to make it a practice of um, getting out the things that you swore you would never tell anybody. Um, you have to make a practice of sharing your emotions. Uh, surprise, we have them. Surprise, men have them. And it's not just angry. Um, there's actually usually a lot of scared, a lot of sad, a lot of hurt, a lot of lonely. So vocalizing those emotions on a regular basis, um, that will create in you a feeling that really what you're going for is not that people hear stuff, but that people look at you and go, oh, and then you feel they get it. Yeah, That's the moment you want where I feel known for the first time in my life because I told them something that nobody else knows, but then also they didn't reject me. Yeah. Like I felt, I felt cared for. I felt listened to. I felt attuned to. Um, so that is one of the very practical steps is get in a group, share the things that have shame attached to it. Um, and then share your emotions on a regular, you have to get it connected to your emotions. Like yeah. I talk about that, um, at in, length in, in there because there's so much that's just shut down. That's the numb part. And I didn't know I had any of these emotions going on. So practicing that. So that would be for the isolation. The passivity is one, recognizing where it is. I rationalized my passivity for a long time. Um, I also, I also, once I found out I was passive, would start berating myself for my passivity, which also, if it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, I would think I need a little bit of that for myself as well. So um, actually showing kindness to myself and going, hey, what am what is my passivity trying to protect in me? Because if I'm afraid of something, what am I afraid? Oh, my passivity actually protected me from being rejected. Now, 
it was a bunker, like an apocalyptic, you know, yeah. a bunker that I locked myself in. Yeah, I was, I was uh, kept from death of rejection, but I was also kept from intimacy and life. Yeah. And so I had to recognize that it was there. And then I had to ask myself, what's this protecting so that I could heal those things? Like, where did all this fear of rejection so come from? Um, and, oh, so, okay, I appreciate passivity, what you were trying to do. Um, let's give you a different role. You know, like you can, you can maybe talk to me and use discernment of like, maybe that person's not safe, but you're not going to make my decisions anymore. Um, and then actually doing the hard things. So there's in order to believe something about yourself that you didn't believe before, um, you can declare it. Um, you can have an experience with God, but sometimes you just need disconfirming evidence. You need something that, tells you, oh, see, you have what it takes. I can tell myself I have what it takes all day long, uh, but sometimes when I just do the very hard thing and I'm okay afterwards, I go, oh, I actually do have what it takes to do this. Wow. So good. I am that kind of person. Um, so doing the hard things and then the last, uh, you know, solution to the real problem of pain, um, similar to the isolation part is what you have to, we're not going to go digging around for pain, like where's pain, where's pain, where's pain, especially when it comes to our past. Yeah. But when you step on a shard of glass on the beach, yeah. you don't just keep walking, you go dig it up and go, oh, oh, there's actually a couple pieces around here. Let me go throw that away. So and my kids don't step on the same totally. thing so that my wife doesn't step on the same thing that happened to me. Um, and you have to recognize that. I used to think, oh, you know, when I was, mo I was molested, yes, but I don't feel anything about that. I don't think it affected me at all. You know, I just had this, like, grand illusion that what happened in my head is what was true of my heart and my soul totally. um, and not necessarily the case. So I had to actually be willing to step back into some of those memories with trusted people who were safe, uh, share it, walk through the pain of that, actually feel the comfort that them just going – wow, that's really hard. I'm so sorry you went through that. So good. Like you, a lot of our trauma is not just the experience that happened to us, but the experience of being alone in the midst of pain. And so just not being alone anymore is so healing. Um, and then you just have to build an emotional vocabulary with which you can go, oh, what's happening right now? Oh, I feel, I feel scared that this is going to happen. Fear on little levels. Like, I'm afraid I'm not going to hit that deadline. I that's just, important. I just say, oh, crap all the time. Yeah. That's, that's my vocabulary. <laughs> that's your little check oh, engine. Like, oh, crap. Oh, something oh happening. crap. Yeah. <laughs> that's really helpful. Yeah. How can they get in touch with you? How can they get in touch with your book? Sure, if, yeah. How do they join the men's? If they're if they're here, if they're local and local, Redding, how yeah. do they how do they join that? Let's we'll start um, there. How do yeah, they let's join? start there. Uh, Monday nights at seven p.m. at the Twin View campus. Okay, you just show up. Um, we'll go through the whole thing, and then before we break up into small groups, we'll have a guy that goes, uh, "Hey, if you want to figure out how to get in a small group, I'll tell you all the all the Got stuff." Got it. So, so that's the first one. Mondays at seven. You don't have to be afraid if you get there. What, yeah, what's yeah, happen to me? no, totally. Yeah, we're not yeah, going to make you stand it's up. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, it, it, it actually is a blast. Um, and then to get a hold of me, uh, zintsquad.com, Z-I-N-T squad.com. So my wife and I have a marriage podcast that we have on connected oh, on there. What's it called? Marriage Lab. Marriage Lab. Marriage okay. Lab. Um, you can find that on any streaming platform, Apple, Spotify. Um, and your book. My book is on there. Yes. Um, available for pre-order. It's going to be released October 30th. So depending on when this releases, uh, you can find it there. Uh, it'll be on Amazon by October 30th. 
Um, there'll be ebook version, printed version. Remind us what the name of that book is again. Numb to Known. Numb to Known. Yeah, by Aaron Zint. There it is. Yeah. Z-I-N-T. N-T. Yeah, there, there you it go. is, right there. Yeah. Aaron, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, absolutely. So appreciate your insights. And mm-hmm. there's just a ton of men who are going to get help from mm-hmm. what you shared today. Yeah, thanks a lot. And let's get your book, too. Yeah, let's get it. God bless you. Join us next week. Um, thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.